Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure. This is failure guy, Ben Currier, and I'm here with uh, Philip Hughes. Hey there, Phil. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, pleasure to have you here. Um, Before we get started with any of the, like, maybe failures or downsides, can you tell us a little bit, maybe a shameless brag or talk about the things that you are proud of (laughs) and what we might uh, have known you for or see you around doing? Um, Shameless brag. Oh. (laughs) Um, it'll be probably, I've done a, two Tough Mudders uh, and two half marathons. So that's kind of like the fitness bragging side of things. Um, and in terms of sort of the side hustles, I've got sort of three projects on the go. One's kind of getting a bit of traction. So I think after the years of all this failure, it's kind of the learnings are coming good and, and sort of sticking out things. Nice. Uh, what's, what's the one that has some traction? Um, well, a couple of ad- have got customers, but the one that's gaining a lot of traction for me at the minute is a thing called Elementary Analytics, which is kind of a tool to help you make sense of your Google Analytics stats and all the Facebook and Instagram information that businesses are now looking at to try and um, make sense of how, how all this stuff on, they're doing on social media impacts the sales on the websites and things. So with everything that's going on this year in 2020, um, people are kind of moving to stuff online and I've got a friend who's gone, a family jewellers have now gone online and he's like, I don't know what to do with all these stats and I'm showing him the tool and he's like, brilliant, I can do that. So the way things are moving online and all the social media and everything, it, it's kind of coming good. Um, and I'm getting sort of freelance marketers on there and digital agencies. So that's kind of slowly getting traction. That's cool. I know with my own website, I... I have everything hooked up, but I have no idea. I don't do anything with the info. So I know there's a lot I could be doing, but I just, I don't know. I know what my like UA code is or whatever it is. That's about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember yeah. it, but I can find it. But uh, yeah. I, so I imagine that's helpful to people who like me have, have it hooked up and not really sure what to do with all that info. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Cause I think Google analytics, like the Facebook insights are a great tool. But even for myself, I come from a technical background. And when I log into it, I'm just like overwhelmed with the information. So the goal, the idea when I come up with the tool was like, I just want to look at sort of five key stats across everything and just just focus on that. And if, if I'm moving the needle on them stats and doing something right, instead of spending hours inside Google Analytics. And yeah. Yeah, we've got other things to do, like, uh, I don't know, watch paint dry and things like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you said you have a tech background. What was what was your uh, what did you study in school, or how did you get to that point? So again, I think this goes back to the sort of failure thing. So what I did at school and, and college, uh, I was kind of like a um, design background, um, but did really bad in exams. Um, wasn't looking to go to university, and then my background is I've always been good on computers, uh, and just messing and tinkering with computers, and started got into programming did a night school course in computing um, and that led to me to going to university at 23 and getting a computer science degree, which is then, I then started working as a software developer, which I'm still working as now, trying to transition to running these these side projects. So yeah, I got a, a computer science degree background. 
um, sort of plus years as a software developer as well now. Oh, cool. I'm curious how, because at least with my experience, I know that compared to my training in college, both undergraduate and graduate, and then working in a job, I know that probably 95% of what I learned was from the job and not really from school, but that's because I work in finance and accounting. I didn't know if you had a similar situation with computer science where it's, I mean, it's helpful to know a lot of the the things, you know, the, the theory behind it, but a lot of times until you're working in it, it's hard to know how a lot of it works. Yeah, I think in terms of sort of say 10% of it, which was learning like a lot of programming, I think that gave me a good grounding, but everything mm -hmm. we learned, especially with something like IT, and just an example, like the software development techniques they were teaching us are just completely obsolete, like five years later. <laughs> one that I used five years is now obsolete because there's a new one come out. So everything you learn is just, it's kind of irrelevant because it's such a, a fast moving sort of um, industry. Yeah. yeah, the same, a lot of it's now you're just learning on the job. Yeah, I guess uh, it's helpful when you they teach you the fundamentals that go beyond like whatever software it is, like about how computers function and like how things yeah. work, because that won't change. And same thing with, you know, finance and accounting. A lot of times I'll find myself reaching into the recesses of my brain for some theory that we <laughs> talked about. But usually it's mostly from doing and failing and doing more kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and so you went and started doing your own thing with a software or what, how, what was the progression after you got your training and everything? Yeah, so I think it just was a bit traditional with things in terms of as soon as I graduated, I applied for a job, started working pretty much straight out to university, didn't didn't really have a break. And then probably about three, three, four years of, of, of sort of working and kind of just being a bit frustrated and not, not knowing why. Um, and it just basically this sort of side hustle sort of lifestyle come out of a friend saying, I've got this great idea for a website. Um, do you reckon we could do it and do you reckon you can go and build it and I think that's sort of sort of ha realized I was frustrated in my working life and that kind of gave me a little bit of release to see that there's, there's other things and other ways to perhaps use my skills and actually start a business so I think that was sort of early early 2011 I think we started doing that so that's when it started was it was it just kind of a fun thing or was it, was there any pressure? Cause I feel like what I've found is that when there's no pressure in a situation, you can learn and have more fun. And if you were like, if they're like, Hey, you need, we need a website tomorrow that can sell, you know, X, Y, Z, maybe <laughs> it wouldn't be as fun. Uh, what was the pressure situation there? Was it? Uh, um, I think a lot of that was self-inflicted. And I think as well, cause I was doing it with a friend, you kind of don't want to let them down either. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of pressure and we did have a, a bit of fun with it. Um, we did have sort of delusions that it's going to be huge and we're going to be millionaires within six months and things like that. <laughs> I think the excitement was more than the pressure that, that really got a lot of traction on. Yeah. On that one, we kind of sidestepped to another idea my friend had and, and that, that sort of snowballed. But yeah, I think, I think it was, there wasn't as much pressure and it did have a, a lot of enjoyment on it. And I think the enjoyment bit made me work on it quite a bit more as well. Cause you can, you can see the fun side. Yeah. The, from it as well. I learned loads because in my career in the nine to five, I was a lot of like a back end software developer mm -hmm. and creating a website. It's not something I've not done. So I was learning a lot of skills that Did um, it's growing my software development skills really. So yeah. it, was, it was a fun, fun time. Did you make any big mistakes? I know I just updated mine, my PHP oh. the other day and it was down for like a day and a half because 
I didn't have the right plugins or whatever, who knows, but, uh, have you had, when you were, cause you said you worked in the back end when you switched to doing mm-hmm. website stuff, did you have any harsh, uh, lessons? Yeah, massively. So it's funny you said about PHP. What I did is I, I went and started using PHP, but I started doing everything from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. Big learnings I learned early on was just try and get, use as many frameworks or out-of-the-box things to get going. So I think the first website we started and we ended up probably like 12 months later getting rid of it is because it was just such a slow grind and I was trying to build everything from scratch. Yeah. Think of like WordPress where you mm-hmm. install and then you've got all this stuff. I was trying to do like a little WordPress site for what we were trying to do instead of going down, right, let's install something and then build on top of that. So that was the yeah. first lesson was just don't do anything like that from scratch. Just <laughs> You just reminded me, I when I worked, so I used to work at a video game company, the one that made Rock Band and the original Guitar Hero. And oh, nice. So it was cool. And the IT guy there once taught me how to use PHP. I, I haven't thought of this in many years, probably a decade, but he had me write some programming thing about like batching files or something. I don't know what PHP does yeah. outside of the website. I just realized anymore, but it seems like <laughs> it's just a programming language, right? From when I, yeah, definitely. And then uh, we were writing something that was batching files, but I totally forgot about that. And it was a pain. So I can imagine writing a whole website in that format is probably a big slog. Oh God. Yeah. God. Yeah. And so, think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. So then the next one, like he had another idea that he'd come up with. And the first thing I did was went and found like a, a proper framework that you can just, it does all the heavy lifting. It talks to the database for you and you can just start building, like mm-hmm. you say, your, your website pages or whatever you're trying to do in, in sort of the web app. And that was just so much quicker and so much easier. Yeah. So it's, it's just a massive, a massive learning. Yeah. And you can bring anything that you did wrong in the earlier project to a new one and learn from it. So it seems like you've kind of always done these side projects and had a bunch of different things going on. I know I do. I love doing that. This is probably my third side project out of like five or six oh, cool. this podcast. So, but I'm probably doing them all poorly because I'm <laughs> spreading myself, <laughs> but it's more fun that way. I have like business. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Join the club. Join the club. <laughs> um, so what uh, I think you said you had some specific failures related to some of those side projects. Do you want to maybe, Talk about some of those. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I think a lot of them have failed is, again, I think I've touched on it, it's just like the delusion that it's going to be amazing. And I think a lot of the things we did, especially in the early days, um, and even one that actually kind of took off and mobile app that kind of took off, is I went and spent 12 months of my life building this thing and never knowing if someone's going to willing to pay it, use it, or how you're going to make money from it, as if it's going to be, is it going to be a, a business that get, gets you out your nine to five or is it just going to be a labor of love? If you're willing it to be a labor of love, that's fine. But for me, I always wanted it to, to ultimately replace my job. And I think um, that one we never validated. The second one, which was uh, me and a lot of my friends are big soccer fans. Um, and we built the second project idea we come up with was for, I think in the US you can't do it much, but like, Gambling on football is huge in England. Now you can. They just, I mean, uh, at uh, least depending on where you are. I'm in Colorado. They can uh, do, there's like, you can download mobile apps. They're not allowed on the store, on the Google Play Store. You have to download it through like the website of the book company. And there's also okay. in-person ones, but I know other places like Massachusetts, where I'm from, they can't. So yeah. it depends on the state as far as I right. know. Because that's the cool thing with friend of the idea was, is they do a lot of, friends do a lot of, is it survivor betting on um football games so we was trying to transfer that over to soccer 
and do like a website and like hold the money for it and everything. And we showed it to a couple of friends and were like, yeah, that's cool. But what we didn't proper validate it. And it was one of these things where someone would get interested, they'd do it once, mm-hmm. never do it again. So you'd have to be constantly finding new people. And we just didn't really validate it with a group of users. So, and again, it got to a point where it was probably about 80% complete. Um, and we, we never even like to anyone and got like, other than a couple of people we knew to look at it. Yeah. So that kind of like, well, whoops. Um, do you, do you think the lesson there is more about um, focusing on making the thing good rather than how much money you might make? Or what, what do you think you learned from that process? So I think, I think I, I, I made another mistake. The next project I did this <laughs> thing again, I think it's not about building it and building it right. I think it's making sure what you want to achieve with it, say get paying customers is find out early on without doing much code and that people are going to willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the learnings I've done is doing like pre-launch stuff. Yeah. And what the, the, the app ideas I'm working on at the minute is before I even started coding, I put sort of a website up and come and subscribe to the, to the mailing list and you've interested in product. And I even put like a pre-purchase, like early access mm-hmm. for pounds and someone paid for it and bought it. And I was like, unbelievable so someone's really interested in this idea yeah and they're willing to pay money up front before it's even started building well what i did in the past was a complete opposite it was like i'll build this fully formed thing and then try and find customers even though it mm-hmm. might be something that no one cares about so yeah that's um, takeaways on then. So i don't know if you've heard of seth godin or if you know who he is yeah yeah, yeah. I love seth okay Godin. yeah he's great and his akimbo podcast is is great i think he was saying that one of his books i'm not sure if it was his first one or not but he um, didn't write anything yet. And then he said, if he could sell 10 of them based on just selling the idea of it, that he would then write it. And I think he said like 12 bought it or something. So then he had to do it. Um, right. But it's kind of that idea of like validate through people wanting to give you their money. Cause that's all that matters. Once you turn it into a business, once you turn that key and want to start taking money, you want to make sure that it's something people will pay for. Cause a lot of times it's really good ideas, but it's just something that people, for some reason, it's a blind spot of what they'll actually spend money on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I know at some point you got involved with more of the social media. Did that happen as social media became popular or did you uh, get onto that later? Because I know you were more on the technical side. Social yeah. media is more of the you know public facing personal stuff. Did you get started with your own personal things or did you jump right into understanding it like from a technical side? Um, so the, the social media thing was, um, again, it was another friend come to me with another football based mobile app I want to have to be your friend and I'll come to you with all sorts of ideas <laughs> yeah 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 it's one of them like uh, people have ideas it's a bit different nowadays but back then sort of uh, early 2010s people had no idea to even you know you were googling stuff and nothing was coming up mm-hmm. so they were coming like can can this be possible and I was like well anything we code's possible um and m- myself and two other friends built this mobile app for football fans about um, like a lot of people go around the country watching games and it's to find out which pubs are near grounds and things like that. So was it like a meetup kind of thing or was it more about like a game where you can bet against each other and stuff? What was the... Oh, no, so so the, the social media one, so the, the project I was doing around the, the gambling just Oh, that's a separate one for... Fell away, okay. yeah. Yep. So that fell away uh, and then a friend had come to me and said, oh, I've got this... I know you was trying to do something. I've got this other idea. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, I'm trying to think there was one... There's an app called Vegas Mate, I think. So when you go to Las Vegas, you can download this app and it'll tell you like 
where to go off to do eat certain types of food yeah and where to go off for like certain things or that this night's great for this and we kind of tried using that for like football fans that travel away around the country every weekend say oh if you're going to this area this pub's good to drink in there's food here here's all the taxi information here's a local train station and things like that and my friend who came up with the idea was like well well i'll try and do like the promotional side of it and he just got into the social media so Mm-hmm. Create a page for the the app um, and created a Twitter account for it as well um, and just tried promoting the app through that and it just kind of took on its life of its own with like football fans and it just, just really turned into, the app was just an, another side part of that and we just kind of turned into so a bit of a, a media publishing company basically, just football-based content uh, and was just trying to be sort of uh, a place for people to come and advertise the stuff, really, and yeah. try and monetize it that way. Uh, this is a total tangent, but my friend is trying to come up with something for like, um, I think it's Magic the Gathering, so people can find eight-person things and meet up and play each other. But it reminds me of that. But I know they're having trouble f- getting people to adopt it. How would you spread the word initially? Um, well, th- that was the weird thing. The app was really... Even after running it for like two years, the number of installs was really, really low. I think we didn't even hit 10,000 installs. But the Facebook page had like 180,000 likes and followers because of the content we was putting on the page. So the app was still a real tough sell. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of followers on the page every time we did a little promotional stuff. And we even did a partnership with Uber where, you know, you put in this code that's within the app mm-hmm. and you'll get like um, a, a free 10 pound trip with uber but the uptake again was just just really really slow so i understand his, his pains it's to get people to install an app through like a marketing channel or social media is a real tough sell yeah it's really a little easier sell. now probably because people are more freely installing things but like it, for for sure probably when you were doing it or i'm not sure how long ago this was it it would be harder i know it's only gotten easier to get people to install stuff but uh back in the day it was probably pretty difficult uh yeah, this was about seven years when we when we published it, first launched it. So cool. yeah, real, real tough sell. Yeah, um, I like to ask sometimes about because I've had many of these, but like a big money fail. Is there something where you spent a lot of money on something that didn't work out or didn't uh, pan out? We just were like, wow, that's a lot of. Probably that actually, because we did the thing first where. We didn't even start building the product or validating the market. We registered a limited company, um, paid for a business bank account, started paying for all the hosting that you need to run an app and everything. And I think each of us chucked in like £750 of savings oh, wow. you know, originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did things eventually when things were taken off with sort of the social media. We went to like um, a branding and marketing agency and paid again like £600 each to get the logos redesigned, headings for YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, the Facebook page, mm-hmm. a media kit and everything that we needed to do if we were sending out a newsletter and just all that. So we, we were really, really, really pushing it to try and make something work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, um, I can't think how much I spent over the years on it all. <laughs> because it was one of them little things as well where my friend had boosted a post on Facebook for £10 out of his own yeah. pocket. I'd sign up for something for like 20 pounds for a year to do whatever I needed for within the app. 
and you just lose track of the money. Yeah. I don't know how much we'd spend between. (laughs) I, well, if it makes you feel any better, last year, I think it was like a year and a half ago, I pulled out my 401k, which is your retirement plan. And in the US, you get taxed a lot. So I just got it literally today in the mail. I got like a $7,000 tax bill. So, and I don't even know what, that's just money out the door, but also I spent the real money that I took out on stuff that was a waste. (laughs) So, you know, who knows, but I hope to use those, um, as moving forward to just make me better with money. Who knows? Some things like you were saying, I'll, I'll fail at many times. Money's going to be one of the ones that I'm probably going to struggle with, but you know, I'm trying to figure out like you, I, I, I think I'm like pre-rich. I think I'm, even though I'm definitely not, it's like a rags to riches that hasn't happened yet. So (laughs) at least I'm hoping. (laughs) So we'll see. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. You got to give you, you got to convince yourself that you're that millionaire. before (laughs) Otherwise it just won't happen. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I don't know if you've heard any other episodes, but being a guest on the podcast, you get to have a get out of fail free card, which you can okay. use, you can use to you like cash in for any type of a like a hobby, career, a thing that you'd want to pursue if you weren't able to fail at it. Is there something maybe you've like wanted to dip your toes in, but you're like, oh no, I couldn't, I can never do that. It seems like you got the fitness realm down pat. Is there some sort of creative oh, thing or other thing where you? God. The rejection yes. or the failure is keeping you away. I I always wanted, if I could have that jail free card, I always wanted to be a rock star guitarist. And I got a guitar about 13, 14. And I'm not too bad at it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I had these visions of being, like, stood on a big martial amp, like Slash or whatever. Mm-hmm. When it comes to actually playing guitar, I'm pretty shocking. Yeah. So, and I had, as a kid, I had lessons uh, and I practiced for hours a day and just wasn't getting it better. There wasn't really a, a natural aptitude for it, but it's something I still love to do. It's just a, a self, self-indulgent self thing. But yeah, if me, me jet, jet, get a jail-free card for a bit, <laughs> a proper guitarist, that that would probably, that was my ambition as a, as a teenager, that I really wanted to be in a band as a guitarist. That's really cool. I, I got a guitar around the same time. I was 14, maybe. I never took lessons. I taught myself and I'm not that great, but I did join a band at one point. We had one show and although it wasn't a rock star uh, vibe, it definitely felt pretty cool. Um, Cause it took us forever to write the songs and like get it all together. So um, it's interesting to see if anyone enjoys it or whatever, once you finally put it out there. Um, But that sounds cool. Uh, What kind of music would you play? Like rock? Uh, Like I imagine if you're on the amp and you're going crazy, it's going (laughs) to be some kind of heavy metal or rock or something like that. Yeah, yeah, rock music, you sort of your Guns N' Roses at ACDC. Um, but I think as well as about 17, 18, I got into a lot of blues, like the Chicago blues, old school blues, obviously Jimi Hendrix from mm-hmm. like the rock side. And I just think like now as a, a, a lot older, just being able to play some of the blues blues songs would just be unbelievable. Yeah. Because you listen to, I think there's a guy called Jeff Healy, uh, and there's a song called Highway 49, and just the opening to that, just unbelievable. So yeah, like sort of blues guitarist as well would be cool. I'll uh, put a link to that in the show notes uh, for people to check out. I, I've not heard it either, so I'll check it out as well. Um, but that that sounds cool. You definitely could still do that. I feel like for guitar, you could still get better. For like, I can't sing, and I don't know. I don't know if there's like a way to get past not being able to sing well. <laughs> I mean, I try karaoke and stuff, but it doesn't. <laughs> 
the reviews are not great. So, yeah. uh, but I think with guitar, it's just, yeah. uh, it's just about doing it and practicing more. Um, and yeah, know, I'm finding that. I'm finding that with all the stuff that's going on and, and, and being, being locked down a bit more, I'm finding I'm doing about an hour, a, a, well, trying to do an hour a day. The things are getting easier with the guitar playing, you know, <laughs> being able to play. Yeah. The intro back in black now by ACDC is something, yeah, pretty cool to do. So, yeah, yeah you're right with that. And it, it is, so you've got to stick at it. And well, Especially with quarantine and all that and people staying home, you get time at least, or a lot of us do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm curious if you could go back and give your uh, younger self some advice. Is there something you'd tell, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that? Uh, what advice you think a younger Phil would, would be open to receiving? Oh, God. A younger Phil. need to hear. <laughs> probably not 10 years. Probably I'd go back probably about 17, 18, and just, I'd, I'd just say to him, like, don't work for anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest takeaway. Don't work for anything else and use the freedom of, of working uh, working from living with your parents and not having the final stress to, to work something out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think because of the, when I was sort of 17, 18, I tried getting into the sort of the IT schooling, but mm-hmm. one of the local colleges, they, you had to share a computer and two of the computers were broke. So it was like three person to a screen. And I was like, well, there's no point in me going to this course because I've got my own PC. I just do stuff at home. Mm-hmm. But that kind of put me off the IT thing. And I think if I go back to my younger self, I'd said, don't work, don't work for anyone and focus on getting something going using your IT skills instead of waiting. Yeah. So I think what I'd, I'd, I've always thought to tell myself. I think that's great advice. I would tell myself the same thing because I don't know. Uh, I've mentioned it on the podcast once or twice, but I've been fired from every job I've had in corporate America, which has been <laughs> five of them. I'm on my six now. I still didn't learn to, I'm trying to figure out how to make money on my own first before I leave it. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that you think is the only way sometimes, especially if you go through all the school oh, yeah. and like, they just train you to, I mean, especially in finance and accounting, you have to like go work in corporate America for the most part, or at least that's the, the idea about some job security, but it's not worth it. You know, selling your soul to the devil, so to speak. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan of the corporate politics and all that stuff and making someone else a bunch of money and them not caring about you as much. It's, it can be, it can be tough. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one of the things that happened to me, I was kind of not, going too deep in the side hustle in terms of trying to get something off the ground, really, really pushing and really being disciplined with it. And I think what happened with me was um, I was going away on a, on a stag do to Barcelona and then a friend invited me on a walking holiday off the, the mountains of Scotland. And then I think Glastonbury Festival that's huge in England, I was invited to that, could have got tickets for that. I think me and my wife were doing something and it was all in a short space of time. And work wouldn't give me the time off. I couldn't, I couldn't go on one thing. And then the finances as well, I couldn't really afford to do them all. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know what? Um, I think I was in my early 30s as well. I was like, I'm 30 year old and I'm being treated like a school kid. No, you can't do that. And I was like, I'm not, I've had enough of this. So yeah, I think that was one of the, the big turning points in it. I think it's like you said, the the, the constraints and the, the structure and you're held to someone else's schedule, not your own is, is a big, yeah. big no- thing for me they'll always ask and accept as much as possible from you. But then when you want something, it's, it's like potent teeth. So I, yeah. I definitely agree. There's some good companies obviously out there, but 
for the most part, if you're not um, doing your research and stuff, you'll probably uh, land with one that might not be, uh, <laughs> have you and your best interests in mind. So um, is there anything else specific about failure you want to talk about before we get to the last couple questions um, of the podcast? Yeah, I think one of the things I've, it's probably since the pandemic I've started looking at is I really used to beat myself up about these, all these past failures and re really go back at, um, and look at them and really dissect them and be really, really annoyed about the fact I'd never been able to, to, to launch anything successfully. What, well, what I deem successful. Mm. And I think a lot of changes have happened to me um, recently. And I, I read one of the books that's helped me with that is um, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't really like his stuff, but he <clears throat> goes quite deep about yeah. past learnings and it's, and it's not really um, a, f a failure. <laughs> you probably don't go again. <laughs> He got a decent, he got a decent chunk of that money that I spent last year. Cause yeah. I, I, I love uh, him and, and Dean Graziosi. I love those guys. I mean, I love to give them money and they're also really smart and fun. Yeah. 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 They're great. And I, th I think it was just a thing of, of looking back at the journey and, and I kind of dissected everything from the point of view of asking what he talks about is what have you learned from all these failures and stuff. So I think I'm kind of a bit more, willing to fail at stuff yeah. and, and take away the learnings. And I think Gary Vaynerchuk goes on about it as well. And um, just someone sent me a link that an, another podcast I've been on and we were chatting about all these failures. And he said, it's not failing, it's called skill stacking. <laughs> you can take away a little piece of stuff. And I can't, I've lost the article, sadly. Mm -hmm. He said, you can take away all these things. And if, especially for me being a techie and that coming naturally, to then try and do like sales and marketing for all these products or other parts of it that, you know, time management and personal development around it all. And you just become such a better, more rounded person from it all. So I think that's one of the things that people are a little bit scared and lean back away from the failure, but I'm learning to lean into it and, and take a lot of stuff away from it. Yeah. I think something that's also important is that when you do experience some success, not just you, but everybody, you should look at what pieces of that success would I have messed up if I didn't already mess up in another way before? Cause I know there's a lot of things where I'm like, Oh, I'm really OCD about this one thing. Cause it screwed me in the past. So yeah, like yeah. maybe in the future, it doesn't screw me over, but you don't realize or recognize that how much uh, of a headache you saved yourself from, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, completely, completely agree. You, you, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't learn for the first time. I've probably done the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, I'm definitely not doing that again. So yeah, yeah. I think you, you need, you need to have it sometimes. You just need, you need that. Yeah. I've seen something recently by one of the um, comedians. I can't remember his name, an American comedian. And he goes on about it a lot, all the time, that you need to be failing all the time. Otherwise you're not going to be successful. So yeah. yeah. Oh, it's really important. Uh, my next question, I'm going to answer myself first before I give it to you, but it's about what, <laughs> what's your next big fail going to be? What's the next thing you're going to fail at? And mine is, I think I can say it because I'm not going to release this episode for a couple of weeks, but I just started friends.fail, which is a website. Nice. So there's a dot fail, which is nice. Uh, so friends.fail, it's going to be a, a message board slash group for fans of the show and, and podcast guests and stuff like that. So I'm going to mess that up entirely because I don't know anything about running that, but what are you going to try to fail at? Hopefully until you succeed uh, next, what's um, your next big venture? 
so for me because i've got i've got like two or three sort of projects on the go they're getting a little bit of traction some have got like free customers on it um i've got another one that's got um people in free trials at the minute so i'm open they'll start after 30 days start paying um but for me from being a technical background and, and having so much experience in sort of developing software getting updates out getting the things done tweak side feedback from customers to get it sorted that that's that's kind of natural and easy for me now i think it's the sales and marketing and sort of building sales funnels for me that's really yeah. really um I'm going to be I'm, I'm failing at every every single day every single day so like just for example is this week I built a brand new sales funnel published it uh spent I think I've spent about 50 pounds this week just testing to see if this sales fails, sales funnel works I've not had a customer no one's even installed the product so I'm just like yeah fine we'll just yeah. learn at it um what, what what am I learning from this sort of funnel to see what's wrong with the product or the process so i think i'm trying to learn and fail on a weekly basis at the minute on on sort of sales and marketing yeah i'm in the exact same boat because i know i've read a million things like i know for example i should have the i don't know if you follow russell brunson and all but he teaches the uh hook story offer thing but i don't do it i mean i, I know i should be doing more <laughs> but i don't like structured the way i should and that's my weakest part is like because i know the stuff behind the wall is great i just don't know how to tell people without giving it away for free you know it's it's tough it's a it's a really tough balance to swing with um the selling part because i finally got over the the money piece usually i didn't want to ask people for money but now it's like well how do i get them to want it more you know yeah I, i'm massively struggling with that and it's funny you say russell brunson that um in the start of lockdown in the uk which was like march april i went on to a, a four-day week from work like the, the business got really impacted took a pay cut took a, a day off as well and ClickFunnels community do a thing run by Russell Brunson and a few of the other people. They do a mm. one funnel away challenge. Yeah, I did that. Setting up the hook story offer and all that lot. So I'm massive in Russell Brunson's world as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just from him. So yeah, yeah. I just um, moved off. I still pay him, but I, I just moved off ClickFunnels. I'm trying to migrate my students because I, I have a course and my online course isn't as good for a ClickFunnels membership thing. I went to Teachable, but anyways, I'm trying to. All right. I so I, lo I love ClickFunnels; it's great, but I'm trying to move on to something that has a little bit more of the educational uh, spin. Yeah. But I got to figure out how to move all my students that already paid from ClickFunnels. So I'm, I have both at the moment, but hopefully, I'll figure out how to pivot people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what are you working on these days? Where can people find you? Where's the best place to see what you're working on? So the best place to find me is my personal website, which is philh.co.uk. Okay. Uh, that has oh that's everything on it so I, I have my own podcast so my podcast on the all the projects I'm currently working on uh, is on the links to the websites for that I've got all the links to all of my socials on there and I blog a lot about what I'm doing in terms of this side of hostel lifestyle and what I'm failing at so yeah just reach out to me on there I've got my email address on there so that, that's the best place uh, and the thing I'm focused on most is this tool for sort of helping people with the website and the stats and that's uh, elementaryanalytics.com. So if people could check that out and let me know what they think, that'd be amazing. That'd be a massive help for me. So cool. And then you said it was philh.co.uk. Is that right? 
That's the one. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll make sure to link both of those. And thanks so much for joining me across the world. I appreciate you uh, coming on here and, and sharing some of your story. And uh, no yeah, I look forward to seeing more of what you do in the future. Brilliant. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.